0: Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast, where we discuss great stories and how they're told. I'm Sam, as always, joined here by Andy, calling in from Austin. What up, dude? And we got Webb calling in from the other side of the DFW. Webb, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about Hell or High Water. This is a movie that we were just lamenting about the fact that I had not seen this movie up until about 24 hours ago.
1: Did you really? Talk you hadn't seen it? Rock, yeah, or... I
0: had not seen it.
1: Oh man, I'm I'm like jealous. You got to see it for the first time. I saw this in theaters. I I've probably seen this movie twenty or thirty times. I love this movie.
2: I feel like me and Andy have been talking about it for years so now. Good.
0: I've gone ten years without knowing what the word Tucci means, but I feel like this is Tucci. And uh, <laughs> it, dude, first of all, was blown away by it. And we'll get into all this, I'm sure. But like, I was I was about forty five minutes into this movie, and I was like, man, this kind of reminds me of Wind River. And then, sure yeah. enough, Homeboy <laughs> Taylor
1: Sheridan. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the master of the the neo western. He is just only dishing out heaters as of the last like ten years. Man, it's funny you say neo western. I actually
0: heard somebody make that comparison. A, l- a little bit earlier today when I was kind of doing some digging. Taylor Sheridan, can we go down his his list of heaters? Because he's got a few that he's come out with. So it's funny because if you look at what taylor sheridan has come out with and you look at what the director which i believe is david mckenzie yeah david mckenzie man so taylor sheridan you know not to throw stones taylor sheridan's had a lot of great films david mckenzie's had a few that i i either didn't know of or i didn't like how they were written and 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 directed he has uh the only one i've really heard of before this i've heard of damnation and then asylum and then young adam i guess but then taylor sheridan wait
2: what david mckenzie movies are you throwing
0: shade at what has he done that you you don't approve of? I'm, <laughs> I confused asylum with Elysium.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay,
0: yeah. Well, that's why I I read, I read yeah, that and was like your job on Elysium. <laughs> I read that and was like man, that's not
2: poor <laughs> guy. Hey, David McKenzie, you're welcome. I saved your ass. <laughs> he did
1: uh he did Outlaw King for Netflix, right? He like he did he wrote, did. He wrote oh that, that was cool. Was I really liked that, and and I, I think, like
2: that actually. You know, I always told y'all I hate medieval movies, and that was. I turned that on randomly. Yeah, horrible time period, right? But I turned that yeah, on, so
1: I'm I'm right there with you on. Yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I got into it, and then I went down like a medieval. I watched medieval movies for like a week and a half after Outlaw King. Did you watch so, a? Did you watch
1: The McKinsey. Green Knight? Uh, it's which That's one? It's like is brand that? new. It. it was like nominated for a bunch of Oscars last year. It's like a retelling of a medieval fable, but like in it's really okay. good. It's if you I, again, it's another one where like I'm not into the medieval thing. That's not my scene. I'm more of a sci-fi guy, but. That is definitely worth watching if you, if you see it come up and just, you know, keep my, keep my recommendation okay. in the back of your head.
2: Got it, got it, got it. I did watch whatever Matt Damon did that was uh, – Matt Damon and – who's the guy from Star Wars? They did like a medieval yeah, movie. Yeah, it had
1: recently. him and Ben Affleck
0: and it was about um, – Yeah.
1: They had weird haircuts. That was what everyone talked about. <laughs> yeah.
0: The, the Last Duel. The last half of, of the, of the, the actors year. were doing a british accent and different british accents at that and then a few of them weren't trying to do an accent at all and there was even one actress who was doing a french accent so very confusing very not historically accurate but um yeah i went from david mckenzie slander to kind of being like oh this guy this guy's got some slappers so yeah yeah <laughs> anyways taylor um, sheridan though
2: yeah let's talk taylor's taylor sheridan yeah
0: he's got man okay so vile sicario hell or high water wind river without remorse I know, because I know we like our Clancys here on the pod. Um, yeah. And then I have not seen Those Who Wish Me Dead, but yeah, Taylor Sheridan is, he's an old Texas boy, loves his neo-westerns.
1: He also, and, and also, like, don't sleep on the fact that this dude wrote, directed, produced Yellowstone, which is like a, everyone Ooh. loves the shit out of that show. I have watched 1883, and 1883 is a slap, so I'm definitely going to go back and watch Yellowstone.
2: And yeah, you would like Yellowstone because you know what? It's it's His idea for it is based loosely on The Godfather, but Sick. it's just like Love this it. uber wealth, wealthy family in Montana. I'll tell you this about Taylor Sheridan, or what I do know about him, is he is a good old Texas boy. He's from a uh, ranching family. I could misspeak, but I want to say that they ran cattle, and it actually, I think at one point, like lost their family ranch or family farm. But, he, you know, he's real good on horseback. He's a big deal, I think, in the horse community and is actually one of the people in a buying group that just bought the Four Sixes Ranch. So, like, you know, we all went to Tech, drove by. There's a couple of huge, famous ranches in Texas. The King Ranch, uh, you know, the Wagner Ranch, and the Four Sixes Ranch is a big one. And it actually just sold for, like, nearly a billion dollars. Bro, he's, um,
1: he's, balling. he's, he's, he's like true Texas that, royalty. Last year, he was inducted into the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. Which, like, to a certain crowd, yes. dude, that's got to be, like, such a crazy accomplishment.
2: Since he since this is a writing podcast, I'll tell you that I do know, you know, he was originally an actor, and he had kind of some break. Yeah, he, he was, was on, on Sons of Sons Anarchy. Of Anarchy. Yeah. Right, and then he, I, I forget what it was, I think he had a kid, you know, and he's living in L.A., and he kind of told his agent he was going to give a stab at writing, and dude, talk about, like, just dream scenario. I listened to him talk about this, and he basically said that he, as an actor he read so many bad scripts like you're you're just reading scripts all the time you know stuff that you don't get an audition for or or they don't take you up on or that you don't even want to do he's like you read so many bad scripts and see so much exposition done through you know that he's kind of like anti-exposition in a way he read a couple good scripts that he really liked like kramer versus kramer and then took i think his first stab out of the gate was sicario God, that's and it absurd. On the Hollywood blacklist. That's list. absurd. I know. So that got picked up in, I, I forget when, but it got picked up off the Hollywood blacklist, as did this movie, I think. And as they say, the rest is history. Now he's just cranking out. He's pretty much doing whatever he wants. He got Yellowstone moving and then did the prequel show, 1883. He's about to have another one come out that's like still related to that family,
0: from what I understand. Before we, you know, we'll obviously get, we'll do a scene by scene, but when you talk about lack of exposition... Um, in a good way there's there's one scene in particular that I thought of this movie I was like man this is such good just character background without being too heavy handed was one scene towards the beginning of the film where they're talking about their mother the two brothers uh, Toby and Tanner talking about their mother in, in past tense and then they they walk into the house and you know one of them kind of creaks open the door and you see a empty clearly used because it has, it has dips in it a hospital bed and one of the brothers just says how long was she in there? And the other one says three months. And one of them kind of walks around and starts tearing up and is like, Man, I just wish, you know, she'd let me at least feed the cows. I could have helped out some way. You know, not and again, it's it's right. done in such a way where you learn the mother passed away, she struggled, he wasn't there for her, they had a tense relationship. You learn all that through just literally three lines of dialogue and some and some good acting, right? Uh, we just finished the podcast on Star Wars, and after, man, after watching all three Star Wars back to back to back, and then watching this, the difference in, in how they write dialogue and exposition is so crazy different, because in Star Wars, one of our big complaints was how there's there's no, it's all exposition. They all just talk about what their plan is going to be, how they felt about a certain thing happening, you know, a, a scene ago, but then what they hope for the future, and and just yeah, in and, and this it is—it's all subtext, but it's done so yeah, well. yeah. Like no one's
2: talking about how they're feeling. It's all just the actors. Like <laughs> you, you're seeing that look they're wearing on their face. I think it
1: could have been very like this. This is effectively like a low-grade heist movie. There's an overarching plot about like the scheme they're pulling off. And, dude, if, if a different director or a different writer got their hands on this, we definitely would have gotten, like, a montage scene with music in the background of them, like, showing the steps of, like, the plot. And you're like, and then, at 7 p.m. on Friday, we get these papers to the bank, and you see, like, yeah. the papers being handed across the frame to, like, some guy in a suit. And, like, and that's when we get the, the land and we get the oil. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you we've know, done that. Yeah. And instead... You are effectively just like along for the ride, and you kind of slowly. They it's not that they don't explain it. You definitely come out of it with a complete understanding of what happens, but you. It's way more in the, right. the context of their conversations. In, uh, you have to really pay attention to like kind of the the movement of the money, so to speak. But I guess the first thing I'll say about this movie that is that I know all of us spent significant time in West Texas. Uh, all three of us went to Texas Tech, and this movie. Well, it, as a theater experience, dude, I, I just was like freaking out kind of because this is just like the most quintessentially West Texas film ever made. Like it. Right.
2: I was going to say like old New Country for Old Men is is obviously a very West Texas movie. but It's a little more artsy yeah. where this just kind of feels, you know, the, the people, the extras, the setting. And I know they filmed a lot of it in New Mexico, but it's like. Same dude, you would have sworn. You, I would have
1: sworn and, I'd been to every single place in this movie. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
2: And, what, and so, what's fun, too, is I think that anyone who's... You know, West Texas is one of those unique places that a lot of people just kind of roll through it and they're happy with it. And I won't blame there. them for that. But for I won't blame them have, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say that, like, for people who have spent time there, you know, seeing something like this, I think kind of strikes a chord Definitely. with you. You get it a little more when, when you actually spend time out there. And so, yeah, this, to me, is the quintessential... One of the
1: quintessential... Texas movies, uh,
2: if not the... And definitely like the quintessential West Texas
1: And and I think that there's... Something that I love about Taylor Sheridan is that Taylor Sheridan is not writing like surface level stuff. Like all of his work addresses like larger systemic issues in society, whether it's Sicario or Wind River, where he tackles like the very complicated relationship between Native American tribes and the government and, you know, the nature and humanity. This movie... He took on something that's like incredibly, I think, complicated, divisive, and also forgotten, which is that like there are vast swaths of this country of like the rural poor that have been not only left behind by urbanization and progress and things like that, but also just like generally swindled, like very much in some ways treated the same way that like Native American tribes were in some areas, like these huge banks that are in the cities, take advantage of, you know, kind of these people that are out in the country. They they know that they don't know what they're sitting on. In some cases, you know, in this family's case, they were sitting on really oil rich land and they knew they were hard up for cash and they got them into this really bad deal. And I love that he navigates that in such a way that he gets to the heart of the issue, this tension within people about, like, they feel trapped in these places. There's nowhere for them to go. There's no solution to their financial situation. It is almost like the play- the area around them is dying while they, too, feel like they're wasting away. But he does that in such a way where it's not heavy-handed. It isn't, like, in-your-face. He doesn't take some, like, tremendous political stance, like, left or right, right? Like, this isn't, like, a movie about how capitalism sucks. This isn't a movie about, like... Oh look at these thugs who couldn't make it in the free market and so they turned to crime. Like this is a truly human story that humanizes those issues in such a way that I think anyone from any walk of life or any side of the aisle can come to this movie and come away with something, which I think is yeah. the mark of truly great art. Yeah, and two structure things
0: that I wanted to call out is first of all when you talk about these characters and the struggles they're going through, I think one of the great things this this screenplay does is is when it chooses to reveal what about each character so you start off with this scene that we'll get into in a moment where there's a heist and they're acting like people who are doing bank heists are. They're acting like assholes, right? They're shoving people around. They're putting gu- they're putting guns in people's faces. And then as the movie goes on, you learn things that make them more human. You learn about their their strained relationship because one of them went to jail. You learn about the mother that passed away. And then you also learn about 50 minutes into the movie why they're doing the heist. They're not just doing it for getting money they're using it because they're trying to save their family ranch that means so much to them right so you learn yep. as the movie goes on that hey these aren't just two assholes that are doing it just for thrills they are trying to save their family right and then the second thing I wanted to say which Andy you hinted on about how this is a heist movie I love the style of this heist because of of this kind of heist because first of all we talked about in the last episode how when a trope is overdone it almost cues the audience about how they should think about a certain scene we talked about the trope where in an action film, if a character, you a know, opens shot. up their jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. shot they open, in
2: the stomach, get shot.
0: Yeah, they open up their jacket yeah. and they're bleeding and somebody will be like, you're hurt. And it cues to the audience that they're they're not going <laughs> to die yet, but they are going to die, right? Um, they're, they're dying probably... in
2: like seven screen minutes, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. But it, it, I think heist movies do the same thing, where they have, if if the heist is going to go well, they won't tell you the plan, but if the heist is going to go poorly... They will tell you the plan in advance, kind of like Ocean's Eleven, and then you get to see in real time where it's going wrong because you've been told what the heist is supposed to be like, right? Well, in this movie, there's two heists in the first 10 minutes. One goes closer to correct. The other one doesn't go right at all. And in, in both instances, you're not told what happens. So it creates a new audience expectation that, hey, you're not going to be told in advance how this heist is going to go, right? You're you're in for it as much as they are, and yeah, you've you've got to you've got to be in for the ride as much as our main characters are, and also that there's no music throughout it, there's no cues at all. You don't know what's going to happen, so um, I thought the structure is is
1: done really well. So um, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the uh, the first scene of this film. Oh, and before we get started, one thing I did want to mention. You know, obviously this movie is close to our hearts because we are three native Texans. And it displays uh, a certain amount of violence. And I think it it would be uh, irresponsible of us not to just acknowledge what happened this week in our own home state. Obviously, the entire nation, the eyes of the entire country turned to Uvalde, Texas this week. An incredible tragedy occurred at Uvalde Elementary School uh, where you know close to 20 small children were the victims of yet another mass killing. Um, and so we are obviously... Going to talk about what is is occurring in this film as delicately as possible, as part of this artistic expression. But before we get started, I did want you know from from three native Texans to all the other native Texans who are hurting so so terribly out there. You know, our our thoughts, our prayers, our condolences uh, to everyone involved and affected by that event. So I just wanted to say that before we jump in. But yeah, hell or high water. So right from the jump, man, I'll say that this movie is just like a competition of between everyone that's on screen of who can be the most West Texas, like the old man in the bank. That's like they're like, "Do you have a gun, old man?" He's like, "You're goddamn right, I got a gun." I was like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah!" Yes, that that line is dude. so. This guy, real. guy rules. dude. So...
2: Ben Foster's accent is perfect. I noticed oh, yeah. that like recently rewatching it, um, because everyone has good. You know, some people actually feel like the waitress and that guy, like, they must have pulled those people off the streets. absolutely living out there, like. That's how people are, but Ben Foster, bro, I don't know where you're from. You nailed, like, the kind of high-pitched draw that, like, I, I swear, man, like, people in West Texas have perfect. Yeah, he killed that.
1: Dude, and he's from Boston. Yeah, it like, is.
2: It's Dude, it's, like, regional. He's got it down to, like, the regional. And, like, and he's, oh, he's dang, from dude.
1: Boston, and he's he's taken on a lot of Texas-centric stuff. He played Lance Armstrong in probably, like, the best Lance Armstrong movie um, and he did this and I'm, I'm in, amazed by his performance in this and a lot of other stuff. So huge shout out to him. The first shot of this film where you see this
0: uh, woman going to the first bank that they rob and is God, this, this is such a great shot because it shows this small town. That's clearly not doing well economically, right? It's not a quaint small town. It is a, yeah, everything's old. Her car is old. Her dress is old to the point where in the first five to 10 minutes of the movie, it's not, clear if it if this is occurring in the 1980s or if it's present day it's it's literally not until you see the first the sheriff played by jeff bridges who's driving a brand new uh dodge truck that you you, because everybody's car is old everybody's kind of wearing like flannel and tucked into their jeans and stuff but it shows this girl get out of her car and there's a graffiti on the wall that says uh three tours in iraq but no bailout money or something to that effect of just like You immediately get this picture of this town's not doing well financially, and they're pissed. So everybody's kind of struggling. In this whole movie, money and people's lack of money is such a big problem for everybody, which kind of, again, as you say, Andy, plays into the kind of the social circumstance that our characters are in.
1: Yeah, and and we'll get to it eventually, but I love the scene where they encounter the guys on the cattle drive. Like, it's like a really great little scene they run into, and the guy says, like, uh, I can't remember the exact words that the guy saying it on the horse says, but he's like, "Yeah, no wonder my fucking kids don't want to do this shit for a living. Like their way of so, their way of life so is that being is, left behind."
2: So that the guy who says that is Taylor Sheridan. That's oh, that's awesome. And I didn't he, know uh, that. that yeah, rules. Yeah, 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 that's him. That rule. And so he he's there. What they're doing is, you know, they're running away from a, a prairie fire, and they've got to cut barbed wire and go across the highway. And he's like, "Yeah, man, twenty first century, and I'm doing this shit. Wonder my why my kids won't do it, which." Probably, you know, is like a little insight into his own life. Again, his dad was like a rancher. Yeah. Uh, And then the best line is Bridges watches them cutting the fire. He goes, I don't even know the call out here. These boys are on their own. Yeah. You know, he's like, should we report it? Like, are these guys going to die? His uh, partner That's like the Hamilton, theme of the you know? movie, dog. And That's
1: the theme like, of the nah, movie. They're,
0: they're on their own. Yeah, Dude,
1: yeah. that is the theme yeah. of the movie for he sure. He said the so, magic words. That's
0: yeah, the magic exactly. words.
1: <laughs> if only they'd been like, well, I guess it's hell or high water for those boys. <laughs> <laughs> it turns around and tips his... Sh- okay, leaving? but th- there is a banker uh, in, in the, the movie that
0: says that. He says, like, yeah. something about paying off their loan. He says, come hell or high water. So, I... Yeah, I
2: I woke know. up my wife. Hey, yelling, that was a good. Birds. That was a good use of it. Was title drop. They hit
1: it well. So, so like Sam mentioned, it starts with us seeing uh, a branch of the Texas Midlands Bank, uh, and there it's in some tiny town that was probably you know at one time like a cattle town, an oil town, a locomotive town. One of these definitely West McGurkle. Texas. That yeah, was it's, definitely it's, McGurkle. It's definitely like McGargle, <laughs> La Mesa, Kermit. Yeah, one Florida. of these, dude. Yeah. One of those, and that was definitely Crosbyton. Yeah, and, and their in their
0: fossil museum. By the way, <laughs> this entire episode is going to turn into a bunch of
1: inside jokes. They're lucky they didn't try to rob a bank on the day of the one armed dove hunt, or it would have been just a real oh, and only riot in town, dude. Real <laughs> <Yes. laughs> riot in town, dude.
2: Every year and only the one arm dove hunt, dude. It's a it's a big weekend for anyone who's got one arm that loves dove hunting.
0: Absolutely, I don't so think we, that's how it works, Webb. I
2: think they like <laughs> either hand their or
1: nope, nope. It's exclusively <laughs> no, the no, no. Arm. It's dude. It's
2: it's like all amputees.
1: Yes, is I've it been really? There, when
2: it, there was yes, yeah. Oh no, it is. It's I actually saw. I was there one time, and someone waved at me who had one arm, and I was like, "Oh, so that's what that's this like, is. The like the most fucking web story." Special Olympics, you would experience that. Yeah, dude, I love it. So I know. I swear it. No, it's dude. They don't tie your hands. It's that you only have one. Hell yeah, that's man. The, that's the game.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So so yeah, we're in this tiny town, and we're introduced to brothers Toby and Tanner Howard, and they are. Pulling off these robberies. And these are not like, you know, slick affairs. They're not tunneling in. They're not using equipment. They are putting stocking caps on and running in with handguns and gloves and demanding all the loose folding money in the drawers. No 20s, no 100s, no banded cash because they don't want anything that's going to like, you know, give them a a tracker or, you know, any of the, the paint spray. So they do two robberies. And Toby is pretty frustrated. Toby, who's played by uh, our buddy uh, Chris Pine, and his brother is played by Ben Foster. And Ben Foster is definitely the crazier of the two. He's been to prison uh, in Huntsville.
2: I got to say, I love the line in the in the first robbery, speaking of like good exposition, and, and there's a couple things I want to throw out in regards to that. But one of them is just, uh, you know, the first time you meet these characters, they're literally into two lines of dialogue in the bank teller that they have hostage. Makes some snappy remark and Tanner, Ben Foster's character still has his mask on and he turns around real wide eyed and goes, call me stupid one more time. Yeah. And you know, right then like what his, who this character is. You're like, Oh God. So that's like the, the pain point for this guy. We slowly see
1: him. Like there's definitely moments in this movie where, we slowly see more and more of how, like, hair-trigger Ben Foster is, and obviously it builds up to the last scene where he's just like, all right, I'm going out on my terms, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So they rob this bank. Right, right. And they flee town. They manage to escape. They get back to their family ranch, and they drive this getaway car into a giant hole that they dug with a backhoe, and they immediately just, like, start burying this car, and they got they go to the barn. They got another piece of shit, like, junker in there, and they're off. So we, we learn that their mothers died, she died like while Tanner was in prison and she was, she suffered from a super long illness and she's left the the ranch and a huge debt because of the reverse mortgage, which a lot of people in the rural parts of our country got into during the 2008 financial crisis. And it was Texas Midlands bank, the same bank that they've just robbed, uh, which had given her the reverse mortgage and is therefore going to uh, foreclose on this ranch in a week's time. However, Unbeknownst to them, Toby had some boys from Exxon Mobil out, and they didn't find oil underneath this land. Uh, so Toby has determined that, and it's not really a, a selfish thing. He has an ex-wife and a son who he wants to take care of, and so he's determined yeah, to was child support. right. So he's going to uh, settle this reverse mortgage, get the ranch back, and then get some pumps going and make sure that his family is good forever. That's that's his plan, and his brother has signed up. Uh, to go along with them. And so right after this, we are introduced to the kind of yin to these guys, yang, which is there's the two brothers. And then there's two men who effectively are like, they fight like brothers. They act like brothers. It's two Texas Rangers, Marcus Hamilton and Alberto Parker, Marcus Hamilton, uh, is played by Jeff Bridges, and man, the, the dynamic between these two guys is so fucking great. They're just giving each other so much shit about like being a Native yeah, American. Yeah. Like, he's like you, I know you people can't handle alcohol or gambling. It's like, not. Okay. It's not
0: good cop bad cop. It's good cop racist cop.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll say
2: this: there's there's a couple like uh, racy lines in the movie, and some of them to me like feel a little illegitimate. the The whole line where the lady's like. He's like, what color were they? And she's like, their skin or their souls. I was like, okay, well, this lady's just clearly like the most racist (laughs) person all the time. But the chiding that um, Jeff Bridges does back and forth with his partner is like a very kind of like real form of of racism that you would, you know, you've seen before. For sure. um,
1: Absolutely. Or that
2: people like have out there. I do want to go back to one thing real quick. I think you did a good job of setting up the plot. But I I just wanted to talk about like in those opening scenes how well – Taylor Sheridan does of setting the scene, when they're making their getaway, uh, which by the way, just in terms of character building, like you're getting to know both the characters very quickly as you're along the ride with them. And Ben Foster is just flying down the street. Um, everyone's been in a car with someone like this that makes them feel uncomfortable. And Toby's like, dude, slow down. He's like, I'm not speeding. Everything he does is just completely wild. And when he asks him, you know, this plan is Toby's plan to save the ranch, pass it on to his kids and tanner mentions something about like man i don't know anyone that's ever gotten away with anything you know and he goes why'd you why why are you doing this with me and he goes because you asked little brother yeah and then it shows them cut down the highway you know because like tanner's just in it for the thrill of it basically. absolutely and as they go down the highway there's this really cool shot of their car speeding along you see the uh panhandle there's a there's a, like a Petrochemical pl- or like a, a refinery, oil plant in the background with like a train that's dead stopped and a sign that's like, "Do you want to be debt free?" Like yeah. all that kind of in one shot, Absolutely. It, um is just setting the the whole theme of everything like very quickly. Just it's it's such good
0: foreshadowing. The foreshadowing in this movie is elite because in the first five minutes you get you get the scene where they try to arm one, they try to rob one person and the lady is sassy as hell. And it's not, it's not going to be easy for them. And then the second place to go rob, they get shot at. Right. And so in two instances, you get people where you get instances where the bank is, it's not going to be as easy as they think. And then also, as you said, there's, there's more than one line that Tanner says that is indicative of people don't get away with this. People don't get away with it. They, you know, they go to jail, they get, they, they die doing this like so you are immediately clued to a it's going to be harder than they think and b the chance that they get away with it is slim to none. and And, and part of that is also the world building, right, of the yep. fact that everybody around them is just is not it's, doing well.
1: Yeah. And Tanner tells you early on, he's like, bro, I'm not going back to prison. He is, he's in this all, he's going to burn this yes. shit to the filter. Like that is what's happening. He
2: goes, dude, how have you been at, how have you managed to make it a year out of prison? And Tanner goes, it's been pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah.
1: Well, and then, and then, and that's doubled down on because I so said, we, we meet the Texas Rangers, they go investigate the bank a little bit. They're like talking to the witnesses. They find out like, of course, like the cameras don't work. Like they don't have shit. And that- I love
2: that line when he's like, what kind of bank wouldn't have cameras? He's like, well, you'd be a Texas Midlands bank. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Jeff Bridges in this movie is his delivery, just like the way he like slipped into this character, is just so fucking perfect. They could not oh, have had anyone he else. He was play in this, True so Grit, right? Something. Yep.
0: So yeah. his his character in True Grit is uh, honestly the line delivery and the mannerism is very similar, even though they're completely different worlds, For sure. right? It, you know, one is like. Rooster high, high He's pla- a little more drunk than Yeah, but that's like, you know, high plains uh up in probably like the, you know, the Dakotas or whatever where I was like this is, you know, Arkansas. modern day West Texas. Yeah. So, um, Grits in Arkansas? It is.
2: Yeah, it's Fort like it's, it's still pretty far south. It's like Arkansas Indian Indian territory. But, you know, that character uh, could have could have traveled. That I mean, makes he's sense. It, let's say this. If you need an old cowboy at this point, like bring out <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges is your Bridges, guy. Bro. Like, yeah. Get so, his ass to the set.
1: Absolutely. So we, we're we introduced to them, and then we cut back to the brothers who have stopped at this diner in this, like, a little bit better off town than the last town we were in. They're at this diner. They're having lunch. Like, they're kind of flirting with the waitress. The waitress, like, Tanner's doing all the talking, but the waitress likes Toby because Toby's, like, a gentleman. He's very reserved. He's quiet. He's clearly, like, very devoted to his kids, his wife. And while he's sitting there having a chicken fried steak or something – Tanner decides to go across the street and rob this other bank that's not on the list. And he's like, What the fuck are you doing? So he's he goes and gets in the car and he's like, Drive, little brother, drive. And he's like, What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, this one's not on the list. We don't have masks. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So they have to immediately take off for Oklahoma because their plan to launder the money is classic. You go to the Indian casino and, you know, you cash it all in for chips. You play like hand minimum hands of blackjack and then cash it all out for a check for for new money and what, i love which the again, scene
0: this is one of about 20 parts of their plan or what they intend to do that they don't tell you it just shows you doing yep. them doing it and you're like oh okay that's what they're doing you have to put the pieces together they trust the audience to be intelligent unlike yeah. our boy George Lucas
1: i love when uh, they stop at the gas station <laughs> on the way to uh oklahoma and he's like what, you need anything and he's like, <laughs> and he's like dr pepper And he just goes to sleep in the car and he's got his glasses on, his sunglasses on. So it looks like he's sleeping in these shitheads, which if you've spent time in West Texas around like middle of nowhere, high school kids, like this is what they are like, like, Dodge Charger, loud metal music, cut off sleeve T shirt. They roll up. They're playing like Screamo. Yeah, like and and the guy's like, "You looking at something, bitch?" And he's just totally (laughs) asleep. He hangs a pistol out the window, being like, "Not so fucking tough now, bitch, are you?" And you see Toby coming out of the gas station. This is where we're we're introduced to the fact that Tanner may be the one that's like outwardly crazy, but if you push Toby or put like people that he loves in jeopardy. He will go fucking ape shit. So he, he can throw hands. Dog shit out of this kid. He like slams his head in the door and the brother's laughing. Tanner's laughing the whole time. Be like, Look at you. And he's like, Oh, you remember you still got some spunk! You remember the gun yeah. this time. He like throws the gun over there. They get back in the corners, they're pulling off and he goes, This is a fucking Mr. Pibb. He's like, It's all they had, and he goes, Mr. Pibbs for fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a, <laughs> such, a te- such a Texas opinion. Like, Dog, no that is such accept- a Texas opinion. Yeah, yeah. That is like, dude, is, you can ugh. tell
2: that uh, Texan had their hands all over this movie. Like the opening song for the whole movie is called "Comancheria," And then when they are going down the highway, it's playing uh, Last Dollar Blues by Towns Van Zant. I love when he gets back in the car. He says something to the effect of like, man, you could have gotten us killed or whatever. And Tanner just says, not how it would have turned out, little brother like he's yeah you know essentially this guy had a gun on drawn on him and Tanner's so wild that he's still cool as a cucumber and has all the confidence in the world of being like no I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten shot. No, I would have been fine.
1: So they do make it to this casino up in Oklahoma which I love the uh the song that they play in the casino. It's a Coulter Wall song. It's called uh, Sleeping on the Blacktop. Hey now, sleeping Yeah, that one. Yes. Dog, I got
0: I got to say there's a huge plot hole here. If you're trying to launder money you do not go to an Oklahoma casino because aunties will fuck you up, dude. You, you <laughs>
1: yeah, go to yeah, Shreveport. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair point. They will eat you alive. So, but there's this great scene. Uh, so while Toby decides he's going to cash all these chips for chips, take the chips to the bar, drink a beer, watch the watch the UTOU game, which is on somehow, and his no. brother's yeah, it's always
0: like, on at eleven. Well, I guess the casino could be they could be in the casino at eleven. So right, do right. I
1: know? So then, the, the, so then his brother's like. Taking all these chips out, he's like, I'm gonna go play poker Like, he d- he's in it for the fun, so he goes to This poker table, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he get, gets Into this, like, personal beef with a Real Comanche Indian, he's like "Look," and he, g- he goes, don't try to follow me, chief And he's, like, pulling all the chips away And the guy goes, he goes, do you know What a Comanche means? And he's Like, no, and he's like It means enemy Enemy of who? Of everyone well, You know what that makes me? What? A Comanche like he's just such a psycho they just have a
0: stare off man this is about when i realized that this movie it it, i've compared a lot of movies at this point to the sandlot in the sense that this movie does such a good job of just having these scenes that can stand singularly by themselves like you don't you don't have to watch the rest of the movie to just show this scene of two guys sitting in a casino in oklahoma and just show that scene and you're like damn that was pretty cool same thing with the gas station scene that we just went by, right? You don't need to know anything going into it, yep. and then you it's walk great. away being like, "Damn, that was pretty cool." That there's probably fifteen standalone scenes in this movie that inch the plot forward and are cool in their own standalone way, like there, like the Sandlot. We, we we were like, "Man, there's there's probably ten different scenes in that movie that could be someone's favorite." I would say the same thing about this. Like, there's people I know that Absolutely. whose favorite scene in this whole movie was the "What don't you want?" Right? Where that whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. my my favorite scene is probably either the Comanche scene or uh one of the robbery scenes where like they get blasted by like thirty people waiting in line, which we'll get to, but this again, kinda like the sandlot where that's based off of the writer's life. This movie, based off Taylor Sheridan, who's a native Texan, like he probably drew on a lot of his West Texas experiences and just like he probably thought of a lot of these scenes well before he wrote this movie and then just kind of incorporated them that's kind of my feeling anyways
2: i don't know if we've already gotten to this scene but the scene where jeff bridges goes to like he starts the investigation and goes to that first bank and right as he's walking up that pickup truck pulls up and the guy's like heard someone robbed the bank and jeff bridge is like yeah he gives him his business card goes if you see anyone out here he looks a little sideways you know give me a call and the guy goes sideways don't want to meet me It'll find itself <laughs> on the short end of a rope. And Jeff Bridges goes, yeah, that would make things less complicated for everyone but you. And the kind of and he goes, yeah, he goes, if you can find the tree. And then when he pulls off, Jeff Bridges looks at his partner and goes, I love West Texas. Yeah,
0: dude. <laughs> it's so, it's so well done, And I used to see- be a, a landman in an apartment where all we do is go around landowners and get agreements done with landowners and... I can tell you that this is not Hollywoodized. No. That's, there are a lot of people out there in West Texas that act just like that. So. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, one of my one of my college jobs was I was an uh, inspector for state-assisted housing. And so you're building these trailers, like, out in the middle of nowhere. So I went to every one of these little towns. You just encounter the funniest characters, like dudes that are in charge of construction crews in Hermit building these homes. Dude, they were always just like, I'll tell you what, brother. I'm going to throw some rebar in here. I'm going to hold it up. You take a picture. It looks like it's already mounted. cement. I'll give you a $10 bill. What do you think about that? You're just like, no, man, I'm not, doing that. I'm not taking that bribe, dude. Like, what are you doing? But it's great, man. It's awesome. So, and the, uh, all the investigations that Jeff Bridges is doing, like there's a great scene where he goes into this diner, the same diner that Toby and Tanner were sitting in when they robbed that bank kind of on accident. They realize that, like, because of the nature of the economic situation of the area, like, no one feels bad for these banks. Like, there's no, like, society—like, this, the local society has zero incentive to, like, rat on these guys. Because, like, they look like cowboys, they look like cowpoke, as they say, they tipped this waitress $100, and they're like— You know, hey, we need that money as evidence. She's like, hell no! Until you catch them and you can prove that they robbed that bank, like it's not evidence, and it's half my rent, so I'm keeping it. So, like, the desperation that they're feeling, the whole local population's feeling, and so it puts them all in this situation where like they're not really going to cooperate with the authorities. So that that definitely plays into it too. So we see that going on. So the guys they they gamble all this money. They end up uh, cashing it all out. They get a check made out to Texas Midlands Bank so that they can pay off this. uh, You know, they need a little bit more money, though. That's what's what's left on the table is they've got like half the cash they need to pay off the reverse mortgage. And so they head back to Texas and they're pretty pressed for time. And so the, the Texas Rangers have staked out another location in Midlands Bank, but they've started to realize what the pattern is, and so they realize they're going to go rob this one big branch, uh, the central in branch post, out here in West. In post quote texas big. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, dude, if, you, if you've never been to Post, dude, like the idea that this is the central branch of anything is fucking crazy. Oh,
2: dude. Some of the town names. You've ever been to Jayton or Claremont? Like these places, they have nothing dude like there is a it's, I tell people all the time Claremont it's like this... time
1: travel dude it's like going back to 1970 like dude, it's crazy there's
2: a shooting range in Claremont that's just free that's like off the side of the highway and it's just a berm that you walk oh, up it's to it's not really a shooting range a it's just, just it's just a, a place at. where yeah, yeah, people yeah. shoot
1: guns like that's not really a range yeah and it's like <laughs> totally public <laughs> yeah yes
2: there's like no one working there
1: so they uh, they do show up to this central this uh this post branch and there are a bunch of dudes there. There's an armed security guard, but they're pressed. Like, they got to get this done because, like the guy said, come hell or high water, you got to have this faxed to the lawyer by a certain time on Friday. So they decide they're going to go in. Uh, they go inside, and it's— Well, they don't know that it's
2: packed, though, because right, they, the right. camera does a cool thing where they think they're pulling up to, like, the back of the bank, and then it pans right. over and shows that, like, no, dude,
1: there's it's crowded. Like, here. half
2: the town's inside so, this so bank. So
1: they yeah. roll inside, and there's, like, a line of, like, 30 people in line to do their, you know— Banking shit with the teller, and they've never done one of these where you need to like control the crowd and keep people away from the alarms. And so they start trying to do that, but unfortunately, like a security guard gets brave, he takes a shot. There's obviously armed civilians in this crowd. They start shooting. They get some of the money and they dip outside. Uh, Toby ends up getting the classic movie gut shot, and they take off down the road in their truck. And they're pursued by like a legitimate posse. Like all the townspeople are in their trucks with their guns chasing these dudes down an open stretch of West Texas highway. Toby's trying to close up this gut shot wound with duct tape, which has got to be the most painful, like horrible thing in the world. And so they get down the road a little bit and Tanner's just like, Hey man, there's only one way that we're going to get away with this. You gotta, you gotta get this done. So he gets out of the truck and I love this scene. He's so like, he's not panicked at all. He's not in a hurry. He gets out of the truck he gets in the bed. He opens up the rifle case. He pulls out a fully automatic AR with the banana clips taped together, end over end, so that he can like flip the mags and just reload thirty yeah, rounds at a time. Cool, cool. He and, said, and so,
0: he, play, young nutty.
1: Absolutely. He goes. Dude. <laughs> yeah. These all these townspeople pull up and kind of like turn their trucks perpendicular to the road. They start shooting with like handguns and like hunting rifles, and this dude just starts spraying the entire road down. They take off. And so they split up. Now the two brothers are in separate cars. Toby takes the car that they gets in the getaway car. He drives one direction. The brother takes a truck, goes a different direction. Uh, Tanner does. Was and this shit to- planned? By
0: the way, do you think this was planned? Because I, I kind of got the sense that that was. They were supposed well, to I both they get. It, they were supposed.
1: To, they were supposed to both get in the getaway car. Was the original plan? Yeah, that was just that's their switch car when I was watching. Yeah, but
2: yeah. yeah, what Tanner essentially creates a diversion. Yeah, and he know it like part. You know, he's in this thing for the thrill, so we don't know how much of that is. It seemed like it was all or nothing at that point, and he he made the right move. But uh, yeah, he's the one who kind of takes the initiative and is like, "No, you need to go this way." And I'm yeah, gonna go this I, way.
0: I think that's a cool character moment because he sees that what toby is living for he's trying to live for others whereas tanner has kind of been selfish and he yeah. kind of has this moment where he's like shit we're either neither of us are going to get away or possibly one of us is gonna get away i love the scene where they separate and they say i love you yeah. i love you too and then there's a pause and the the and then toby's or i guess tanner the the, the more wild one
1: is like hey go fuck yourself
0: yeah <laughs> like you yeah. can't you can't leave it at i love you he has to like yeah, jab yeah. So, one he, more so, time. so
1: all the all the lawmen are have now showed up all the cops the texas rangers the local cops the sheriffs they're chasing tanner he take he like peels this truck he's like singing this song that's on the radio while he's driving he peels off onto a dirt road goes up onto some outcroppings and he's not only does he have the ar he's also got this scoped hunting rifle and He gets up on some high ground. And he starts taking pot shots at the cops coming down the road. Unfortunately, in this scene, our buddy Alberto, who you know the two Texas Rangers have had this kind of like little brother, older brother relationship, where they're like kind of giving each other shit, when racist he didn't brother, right, right, minority and, brother but relationship. In, the, in, in this moment, uh, Alberto catches catches a shot right right through the dome, like just gets headshot from behind a car, and. Jeff Bridges does such a good job just expressing just the incredible trauma of losing someone that you've spent, you know, time in the line of fire with a brother. And he just like breaks down, but he manages to collect himself and he goes to one of the local townspeople who's still with him. And he's like, do you know this area? And he's like, like the back of my hand. And he's like, you got to help me get behind this guy. Before we go up there. Sorry, Jeff Bridges breakdown that you
0: talked about. I think you said that it was well acted and dog. It really was because it wasn't just like overdrawn out balling over his body type thing it was it was a little bit of that mixed with a little bit of like shock and like literally pause don't know what to do also yeah. a little bit of like jump up and do what's needed to be done it is the perfect
1: level of like grief shock you know, I wonder anger, how many everything. times he had to do that take because he nails it so perfectly it seems like a real yeah. reaction it's crazy good dude
2: and from a from a writing perspective talk about reversing expectations the setup for these two characters the Texas Rangers have been that you know Jeff bridges is on the way out he's about to retire and he's got this this partner who's probably like 15 20 years his junior that he's sort of mentoring so i just feel like in any other movie you know jeff bridges is going to be the character of course that gets shot at the end and instead it's a more haunting like no dude this is totally reverse expectations you know the guy that you've been training the younger guy is the one who gets capped and uh He's obviously got to live with that off screen. Yeah.
1: And so he manages to make it up to an outcropping of rocks even higher up and behind where Tanner is. And the, the guy he's with has a hunting rifle too. And he's like, give me that. He's like, I'm taking the shot. And he manages to like shoot Tanner dead. And then in this moment of like the adrenaline kind of drops, he like right after he takes a shot, he puts the rifle down. And that's when it all kind of hits him. He starts crying. Yeah. Like, it all kind of releases. It's so well done. Dude, it feels so tragic. real. It does. It really does. You know does. what I mean? Like,
2: it, uh, so many other movies, they take that shot and then, like, throw a dip in and no, yeah. rock music starts playing. But that one is just like, no, dude. Like, that's... This guy killed your friend. You kill him back. And there's all this pent-up emotion. Yeah, the is uh, gonna be there and forever. Kinda, like,
1: and, yeah, and right. he knows yep. that the other brother's still out there. So, cut to Toby, who has taken the money and the getaway car, and He's dealing with this horrible and fucking, the gut shot. Yeah, he's surviving he's still, a gut he's, shot. At he's, this point. he's currently <laughs> surviving the gut shot, and he has to go through this police checkpoint, which is super tense. He's super worried. He's like, dude, if they see that I'm shot, they're gonna Great catch tension. me. And he oh, hands the that. guy his he hands the guy his ID, and of course, like every good old boy West Texas cop, he's like, yeah, you seem like a white guy. Get out of here! <laughs> like, get but man, they, out here. Th- th- that <laughs> scene
0: is literally it's it's like two and a half minutes and every time that a cop looks at one of their cop i just i just have to say like whether it's sheridan or mckenzie whether it's writer or director um and i was scanning the script and saying that the 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 action lines and stuff were 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 really well done but i have to just credit both of them and how they know how to write tension dog i mean everything and and you know, Tanner plays into it with like how he how he acts and how he says he's going to do certain things as well as this scene. Andy pointed out at the the very first, you know, the first two minutes of the movie, how there's the line where Tanner is like, tell me I'm stupid one more time. And they just yep. stare at each other for like five seconds, like whatever it is. It's you know, I think that tension's done well when it's done the least amount for what's necessary. And this scene where he's stopped at a police checkpoint is a perfect example of that. There's no there's no radioing in, there's no like, you know, double checking the license or like drawing for the gun. They're just kind of staring at each other. And it and it just it's a slow
1: burn. I love it. It's done so well. Absolutely. And so uh he he does escape with the uh with the money. He manages to pay off the reverse mortgage, he gets the deed to the ranch. And then we see him do like the smart move, right? He puts the This bank that he has been secretly robbing for weeks and, like, fucked his mom over and everything, he has that same bank set up the family trust that's going to manage all this money that's going to come out of this oil deal. And so we cut we see a couple like weeks months we're not really told how long it is but sometime later after Jeff Bridges' character Hamilton has retired he goes back into his former office and the new agent is like you know hey what's going on he's like look i've i've got a weird feeling about this this dude Toby right like i think this guy might have been in on this shit his brother you know Tanner didn't do that shit alone and he's like look we we checked Toby out he's clear man like not only does he have no record but you think he was going to go rob the bank that's managing the family trust and the bank doesn't want to, you know, dig into this guy like he's making them a shitload of money because they are they're managing this huge right. trust. They're form. not
2: cooperating.
1: Exactly. Now that uh the money's all going into Yeah. Like you said, now that the, all the money's going into Texas Midlands Bank, like they don't give a shit about who stole what. And so Hamilton's like, man, I still think Toby was the second bank robber involved in this shit. So he goes out to Toby's ranch. And they have this, like, kind of, like, standoff where, like, they both know what the deal is. They're sitting there talking, and Toby explains that, really, this isn't about me. I just wasn't going to let poverty affect my son's life like it affected mine. Like, poverty and everything that comes with it put me in a situation that I did things I'm not proud of. And I'm sure, like, you've done things you're not proud of, and we want our... Our next generation to not be in that situation. That's what I'm doing here. And that's where Jeff Bridges is kind of like, huh? Because like he would have assumed, right? That he's like, oh, you did all this to get the ranch. Now you're making all this money. And he's like, I don't even live here. My ex-wife and my kid live here. Like I got a little place in town. And he ends up telling him like, I got a little place in town. Why don't you uh, come by sometime? If you'd like to finish this conversation, you know, I could maybe bring you some peace. And he's like, "Oh, we'll do that." So you're like, kind of left on this note of like, are they gonna, are they gonna finish this violently? Maybe and they they separate. That's the end of the film. It's beautiful. Uh, man, it's I good because
2: that. normally that would be like a shootout scene. It yeah. feels like you know the sheriff comes back at the end, and in fact, Toby's got a shotgun. I think on the front porch, he's sitting across his lap. Yeah. Yep. And you kind of think like, man, how is this gonna end? And tip of the hat to Taylor Sheridan once more for breaking expectations. It doesn't end that way, but it leaves you. With a good um, kind of curiosity of what's to come,
0: I th- I love the restraint. Any time that a writer shows restraint in the ending of a film, because it's so easy to end on a bang, right? And it, we, we we brought up the Edge of Tomorrow on the last episode, or on the Doctor Strange episode. We're talking about the villains, how how the the Edge of Tomorrow uh, villain looks like the the aliens on that. Anyways, yeah. um, Edge of Tomorrow has this, you know, it has Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise who are plutonic. 90 minutes and then they kiss randomly at the end you're like god damn it like why did you do that why did you go and do that this i think shows a restraint that, that movie didn't show just of it would have been so easy to have them you know because they they even have a moment where they're like you know i bet you're gonna shoot me like i us see if you can shoot me faster than i shoot you and they're kind of staring at each other and you're kind of waiting for bridges to like reach for his gun and they don't do it and i think just think that's I love it. I love and I love that they leave you on the note like website of just you don't know whether or not Chris Pine's character Toby is going to just roll up to his house someday or vice versa. Yeah. It's awesome. Great movie.
1: It's a it's a beautiful end to the movie and I man, I've like I said, I saw this in theaters at the at the time I saw it, I was like this is a masterpiece and I maintain that opinion to this day. Um like we've talked about a lot during this podcast. It is such a beautiful representation of the humanity of that region of the country that is often missed by people cuz it is kind of flyover or drive through country for most people that don't get the opportunity to spend time there and I, like I said I don't blame anyone that's not like planning a vacation to you know sure post although weirdly yeah. man the number of people that I live around in austin who are like from california that have got a spot in marfa now is bizarre yeah right. is yeah, so yeah. Really and that's that's a little di-
2: that's a little different but i oh, would I know, say I know. Uh, there are some really cool shots of the caprock um you know like when they're panning out and the cars going over that big uh, yep. i won't call it an overpass but you kind of see the canyons and stuff i thought it was you know it's really aesthetically pleasing and like you said it shows a good human side of that region Clearly, someone who has spent a lot of time there had their fingerprints all over this movie, from the soundtrack to the you know, characters in it, the dialogue, just felt very real.
1: You can always tell like the mood of the country based on the cinema we produce. And for the five years to ten years even after the 2008 financial crisis, we had all these movies that either... Dove into, like, that crisis directly, you know, things like The Big Short, Margin Call, things like that, but also kind of, like, tried to examine the Main Street aspect of, kind of, Wall Street's mess and the the damage that was done you know, far away, kind of out, out, completely out of control uh, of most of the people involved in these scenarios and the human life uh, and the toll that those kind of things take. I'm always reminded of that line from the big short where he says, you know, the guys are dancing around because they're going to make all the money on the short. And Brad Pitt's character says, hey, quit dancing. Did you know that for every one point of unemployment, 40,000 people die? And Movies like this, I think, are important in our cinematic legacy and the cinematic story of America because it is easy. Because, again, not many people live out here, and it's not a destination. And so I think it's it's easy to forget that these places and these people exist and that they're affected by things that other people have weathered maybe more easily. And the crises like what we saw in 2008, large financial things like that, they tend to be not momentary, but definitely temporary setbacks for people that are, you know, affluent live in urban areas, have good jobs, you know, skill sets from advanced degrees in college. People that live in areas like this have just kind of watched their livelihood. Uh, like that cattleman that we see in this movie is like slowly melt in front of them and just dust in the wind away from them for decades and decades. And every year it seems like they're a little further away um, from the prosperity that they probably either experienced at one time or were told about by a previous generation. Um, and so I do think that a movie like this is important to show yeah, n- not only that experience, but also where that can put someone. Like, it's it's very easy to condemn crime, and I'm not advocating for crime. What I am saying is that You, can, it's you have very to live in West
0: Texas if you want to rob a bank.
1: it's, it's easy to, in a movie like this, you come, you get to a place where you can empathize with someone who feels like they're pressed into a scenario where they have to take drastic action. And I think that's a lesson we can all learn from this as, as Americans, especially as people, you know, everyone on this call is, has a good job, lives in an amazing city, et cetera. And so it's, it's easy to forget that, uh, you know, people are not as fortunate as, you know, some, someone listening to this might be, and they might be pressed into a situation where they take drastic action.
0: Yeah. And dude, this, this, this area is important and we, we we're kind of just joking around about like, oh, is that Bank and McGurkle and just like naming all these like Floyd <laughs> Ada and all, and all this like idaloo But here's the thing is like those areas are and I don't mean to sound corny, but like that's the backbone of America. Like this is where cotton is produced, this is where ranching happens, this is where oil is produced, like all these things are super important for this is
2: where all said. our
1: soldiers this... come from. Like
0: <laughs> I did wanna say one thing, is that
2: a scene where he comes out with the AR Tanner? you talked about the theater experience and I know this was nominated for a couple Oscars including Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. Um, I think it got Best Editing but dude, the sound is awesome. when he he pulls out that rifle and starts shooting it in the theater, it was like a you know, it's one of those things where that, like, clearly they ra- ratcheted up the gun yeah. sounds at that moment, and it was like, "Whoa, that feels real." It reminded
1: me of Heat, where they yeah. they very clearly recorded real gunfire, as opposed to like yeah. using yeah. kind of prop blanks, things like that. Like, it sounded the and the most of this movie. They make very good use of like stillness and like quiet because it is still and quiet out in these places. Like if you if you're not if you are not producing sound and action, yeah, you can sit and be in the stillness in West Texas and it is incredibly serene. And so to break that peace and quiet with automatic gunfire is incredibly jarring and I he really wanted to make use of that, the director clearly, and they do a tremendous job of it. It's an amazing yeah, effect. Yeah, one we're one
0: more thing I wanted to say about the, the kind of like West Texas as a culture and stuff before you move on is I think that you can watch this movie and if you're not paying attention, you could think that it is kind of insulting towards people in West Texas because the the characters, they, they seem larger than life. The what, the what don't you want waitress and all that stuff. Yeah. But man, we talked about this. Like we've, we've all lived in West Texas. When I lived in Midland, I ran a, I, I, I ran into a lot of people from like Andrews and in and surrounding areas. And I'm telling you, like, there are a lot of people that are just like this. And I, and I think that it's a fine line. If you play around too much on this line, you can come across as insulting and you don't know what you're doing. But I do think Taylor Sheridan does a good job of showing some people that are a little bit more cosmopolitan. There's like some cosmopolitan people in this story and characters and yep. side characters, but there's also some people that are really like the Salt most the stereotypical earth. West Texas. Yep. Yeah. Again, I think Taylor, Taylor, Sheridan was the perfect guy to tell this story in this setting Absolutely. Um, of, of not, of not, not, crossing the line of being like over the top west texas if
2: you will. I bet if you showed this to people in west texas they would not be offended and be like yeah that's totally and us and be proud of it I was going to you know, say like, they would think it was fucking see where awesome they chase him out of the bank yeah. that's so real Well and that
1: old man that old man in the bank telling him goddamn right I got a gun that's like west texas as fuck right. dude like <laughs> that, they're like that's how we're built bro
2: if you rob a bank in Dallas, no like your only hope of getting caught is, is, is the police catching you and they will catch you. But if you rob a bank in West Texas, you need to worry about the townsfolk. Yeah. Like they will chase you down in suburbans and pick up trucks with deer rifles and, and come after you. So yeah, it's really real.
1: And and anyone who uh, if you haven't seen this, watch this and then definitely watch his other work. I mean, I hadn't I had not seen Wind River until the la- like about a year ago. It's it's another incredible movie, dude. Like and obviously I don't even have to start I was gonna say I don't even have to start with Sicario. I will say I felt bad. I I read a whole thing about how uh, they pretty much like Taylor Sheridan gets a writing credit for Sicario too, but they they brought in another writer and well they brought it yeah, they brought in another writer and pretty much redid like ninety percent of his idea and that's why we got like this incredibly heavy handed movie where they're like they're sneaking Muslim terrorists over the border and shit like that, like that's not the story he wanted to tell. He want you know because like is incredibly grounded, like incredibly real and yeah. they they wanted to make it very they wanted to make it really big, and they did make it big That's good to hear because
2: but... i I Sicario too was awful, and I had worried I was like, man, was he not through it was Sheridan not throwing his fastball on this one because most everything he's done has been great yeah. um, and with the amount of projects he's starting to do right now as a huge fan of his, I am kind of like, man, I hope this guy doesn't get burned out and start just... Yeah, Taylor Sheridan definitely... So far, Taylor Sheridan
1: definitely did not write uh, the line where, the last line of Sicario 2 where the kid walks in the room and goes, so, you want to be a Sicario (laughs) 2. Oh, Oh,
0: up. He said the the magic word in a
1: a really heavy-handed way. I was was waiting for him to be like, so you want (laughs) to be a Sicario 2? Well, you'll have to wait (laughs) till Sicario (laughs) (laughs) 3. Like... The next...
2: The next one's gonna be called Sicario Trace. Yeah, oh, yeah, no kidding. They'll just go full-blown cornball. Man, and like, oh, dude.
1: Sicario forever. We should do a a Sicario (laughs) episode, because the first Sicario is a banger, dude. That was like my favorite movie of the last ten years for the longest of times bro we should
2: do a what uh, review sicario slash rewrite sicario 2 fuck like, yes dude. <laughs> <all we're laughs> still, just untangle what is sicario 2 and talk about how that could
1: have been dude better. and just like yeah mostly just throw that shit out bring back bring back emily blunt like yeah dude let's fucking go because sicario 1 is a masterpiece and they uh yeah we'll we'll save it for the sicario podcast be on sure, the lookout sure, for sure. that this, be this just lookout.
0: becomes a two-hour episode where we just roll straight into sicario
1: I wouldn't be against it. I guess we're doing this. Let me let me ask you. Let me
0: guys. Let me put you guys on the spot. Sicario, Wind River, and Hell or High Water. Rank them.
2: I think with that, I am going to fuck Sicario, marry Hell or High Water, and kill Wind River. As hard as that is to say, that's how I run with those. Okay. Because Sicario is well, Sicario is the the a little bit
1: sexier, uh, more fast paced, dangerous. more of a popcorn movie. I would say I would rank Sicario 1, which is very difficult for me because it's a real 1A, 1B situation. Like, Hell or High Water is right there. But Sicario is, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies of the 21st century. Like, I, I've I watched it so many times. I've shown it to so many people. I think it's almost perfect. Like, it, it has... Yeah, I, I love Sicario. And... I love Sicario because, like this movie, it tackles this like incredibly huge, complex subject, and it does not shy away. It doesn't pull any punches. It's totally willing to like say things that people don't want to hear about the drug war. I love all that to it to a, the largest degree possible. So I'm gonna go Sicario one. I'm gonna say Hell or High Water two, and again, like I feel bad. For Wind River in this discussion because I think Wind River is going to end up on the back end of a lot of people's lists like it ended up on the back end of webs in mind so far but it's an amazing film it's just like the third best of three incredible movies and it has less to do with how good a movie it is and more to do with just like I like the subject matter of the other two more like I'm I'm in I'm into like drug war CIA you know law enforcement shit and I'm spent a ton of time in West Texas so like I have connection or interest in these two Going into Wind River, I had never really looked at, like, the law enforcement on the reservation situation before. I wasn't super familiar with that um, to any large degree, and it's done incredibly well. It's a tragic, beautiful story. It's, it's, that one's hard to rewatch. Like, Wind River of these three is the hardest to rewatch because it's so hurtful to the soul.
2: I may be attributing this wrong, uh, but I think Sheridan might be one of those guys who actually spent some time um, at some point in his life, like living on a reservation. That's up there awesome. North, um, and it may have been the Wind River Reservation, but I think he's did uh, he spend some time as a Sicario he's, he's as well, there.
1: dude? That'd be sick. Yes, he'd be he spent some. Time he was actually on that on little boy. He was that little scenario. boy, dude. He uh, he walked into the back of a taco restaurant, and Antonio Banderas was like, "So you want to be a Sicario?" He was like, Yeah, dog. <laughs> Did he ever spend his
0: time as a Muslim trying to cross the border? Cause that makes sense.
1: Man. That was was that, that was Sicario 2, right? God, dude. Wasn't that the plot of Sicario yes, too? it was. Like they god, dude, there's a scene in Sicario. We gotta get there's a that. scene in Sicario 2 where like all these Delta Force Navy SEAL helicopters are like they go down there and they like spine all these sh- they they shine all these spotlights and they're like, Oh my god. He goes they go, Oh my god it's a prayer rug, and it's just a Muslim prayer rug left in the Go dirt on. in Mexico. i like, God, Go dude, on. chill the fuck out, bro. Like, you better, <laughs> you better fucking chill with that shit, dude. Like, that's so far. And then now you do get, right after that, an awesome scene, which is Josh Brolin in his flip-flops taking the fucking... Again, something that has never happened. Going into that, like, holding cell with that, like, pirate from uh, Somalia. And he's got a laptop with him. And he's like, tell me where these guys are. And he's like, I'm never going to tell you. And he's like, okay. And he opens up the laptop and starts drone striking homeboy's family from this computer. Like, they're giving giving this dude, like, solo. He's got the clearance. He's got solo authorization to drone strike, like, just, like, whip. Known women and children, like this is not a target. Right, this is like just ch- the president. Know this is going on. Like, it's it seems so highly outrageous, dog. That shit would it's get so you impeached. But Josh, Brolin you're telling me can I, I can
2: essentially become like a colonel in, in in any military, and I can just have full authorization. Dude, like, it's yeah. so over the Send top. Send a drone on there,
1: bro. Or or oh. and oh, we could just go into it for for days, like. Yeah, every scene of that movie is fucking absurd. The the scene where they like hunt down the Mexican lawyer in Mexico City, and he walks up to him and he's like, "Put your glasses on." And he's like, and he puts on the glasses and goes, "Adios." And then just puts his <laughs> finger puts his finger inside the trigger guard of the nine millimeter and just like works the trigger like this for some reason because he wants to shoot him like really fast. I guess like no professional would do that. You probably miss every shot doing that. Like it's for no reason. Just looks tight. Like it's so absurd, dude. Yeah. It's so absurd. Oh man. Yeah. Well You go from like you go from like the bridge crossing scene in Sicario One, which is like maybe one of the most oh, like so the most good. brilliant self contained action movies ever. And, so tense, um, dude, so tense, bro. Tense, dude. Homeboy from a uh, burn notice. That's just like the coolest Michael Weston Delta. Yet. Yeah, Michael Weston being the coolest Delta Force guy. He like as soon as he looks, he looks over his shoulder. He sees like a kind of sketchy looking dude in a car, and he goes, "I'm getting a boner," and just like racks the slide on the M4. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, it's fucking go time, baby. Let's do this yeah. shit."
0: Since none of you guys asked me how I rank him, I'm gonna go ahead and just yes, please. Sorry, uh, I went on yeah, a crazy
1: us. tangent. Apologies. I'm the host. We had so to. You said Sicario turn. 2. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs>
1: Sicario 2 is number one. Sam, like,
0: immediately just, like... <laughs> right <at the> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to go Sicario 1, obviously, because it's, it's goaded. Um, I mean, just the fact that it has the, the arms dealer from The Last Jedi, whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> uh, yeah. The guy looks like he's wearing eyeliner all the time. Yeah, he's great, man. Uh, They
1: should have had Wado in Sicario. (laughs) <laughs> hey Andy,
0: where do you get the drugs from? So uh,
1: you want to get some kilos of cocaine? Uh, I don't work with your Republic money. Only only ketamine. Yeah. Dude. That's cocaine so doesn't work on me. Only money. <laughs> Dude, that would be just crazy crossover. You have the you have the Jewish space bug
0: in Mexico that's Muslim crossing the border oh my god there's a yarmulke in the sand what does that mean
1: george lucas is in the theater just furiously eating popcorn like this is the best movie i've ever seen (laughs) gosh
0: i guess uh so yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna my my number two i'm actually gonna i'm gonna as uh ryan johnson would 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 love to hear. I'm gonna surfer to expectations and say, uh Wind River's my number two. And nice. dude, they really are two they really are like two A and two B. I loved this movie, Hell or High Water. I think you guys would agree with me that this movie, I think all the, all three of the films we're talking about are eight and above at minimum. They're all Absolutely. great. They're all fantastic. But you know, you talked about like dealing with social issues and not that like that's my that's my MO or like that's what really sells it for me. But Wind River to me kind of opened my eyes to that, like, the the situation that you're referring to, like, the reservations and, like, the modern problems they're having. Because, let's be real, like, in our history books, like, we talk about what happened with the Indians getting onto the reservations, but not much is covered of, like, what's happening today, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I I just think that movie does such a cool... It's such a cool and unique setting. I I agree with you in saying that it's, it is hard to rewatch because it is super dark. I mean, it literally... The, the first, like, ten minutes are about, like, a teenage girl dying and, like, getting her autopsy and, like, murder and all that stuff. And it's it's really, really oh, dark. Bro. This movie so is rough. significantly... This movie is more fun. This is a yeah. much more oh, fun yeah. movie. Um, and, and and I will say that, like, we talked about the, the foreshadowing. You know, in this movie, you don't really know that it's going to be quite as much of a happy ending as it was. But I... And I liked that about it. I liked that when this movie ended you could kind of breathe a sigh of relief like yeah yeah tanner died but he kind of had it coming like you could see it coming from a mile away right um yeah uh alberto died which was obviously really sad but like i just liked that toby's character could kind of like rest easy knowing his family was okay that was kind of the main objective i did hear you know somebody point out that one thing that taylor shannon Taylor Sheridan's movies do a really good job of. You know, they'll they'll have these characters that will accomplish maybe their mission for the movie, but the, the status quo of the setting doesn't change, right? Like in Star Wars, which we just talked about, when the character achieves their objective, everybody's status quo changes. Like the universe is saved, the world is saved. But at least Taylor Sheridan does a good job of, of making these stories that are important to our characters, and that's all you need, right? Like we're talking about seven ten fifteen thousand dollars at stake right and like whether or not this guy is going to be able to give to his kids or not right which in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal but that that to me is a mark of a good story when the stakes are relatively low but you're you're 30 minutes into the movie and you're glued to it
2: yeah i mean the stakes can just be like i need to get to tulsa and you can create an awesome story out of that
0: yeah you know what i mean
2: yeah. it doesn't need to be save the world every time.
0: I would almost say that's better than save so, the world, as we we've kind of talked yeah. about. Is like, oh yeah, when you make See, it save you know the, the world, it's not
2: going to end in most stories,
0: except for the uh, except for the movie that's like uh, the uh, what was the movie where it's like they're at a party in L.A. and all the all the big like Michael Sarah.
2: Well, that and the uh, the movie that Leo just came out with, um, yeah, <laughs> well, about the asteroid coming to Earth. Don't look yeah. up, yeah. yeah. But, look I mean, up. you know, in most cases, like if Superman or James Bond or whoever is. Trying to save the planet, you're like, all right, bet this guy's got. Oh this. yeah, you
1: well, and, and I and I I think like in the modern world of Hollywood, where we have so many uh, superhero movies, so many comic book movies, like we're almost immune and like desensitized to like the seventy five nine elevens at the same time thing. Like every Avengers movie has to ratchet it up to where it's like man New York's gonna be destroyed then the next movie it's like the continent's going to be ripped into space and then the next movie it's like the entire planet's gonna be sucked into a black hole then it's like the galaxy's going to you know and then eventually we get to like the universe is going to have you get a scaling yeah, problem exactly. yeah exactly and so like it is I, I hate to quote Stalin like he's some like you know paragon of wisdom but he said oh like, here you we know, go man you know, here we go here he, comes Andy <laughs> <laughs> he's. What he said was he's, he he's going to do a know, speech to his comrades here. What, what, he said he said you know what, the death of one is a tragedy and the death of a thousand is a, is a statistic. And I think that happens in film too, where like something like this, where it's like the drama and the a very human, relatable tragedy, like Wind River is can be a lot more gut-wrenching than, like, you know, oh, an asteroid's going to hit the planet. You're like, well, okay, you know what I mean? Like, you have no frame of reference for that. We can't really understand what that would be like. But when you see, like, a movie about someone dying of cancer, you're like, holy shit, that's going to rip my heart out of my chest. So
2: you reminded me of something which is, like, during the Nuremberg trials. They obviously – the prosecution who is, uh, you know, going after all the SS guys – Instead of just talking about how they killed like six million Jews, which is a really, you know, tragic thing, but really, truly hard to kind of wrap your head around. They focused on like individual cases and were like, look at what happened to this, this kid, you know, and just in showing that and isolating it to one individual's life and how horrific what they had done
1: was. Have you ever seen a judge? Have you ever seen Judgment at Nuremberg, the movie? It's no, black and white, but it's like a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like an incredible movie. It's just a, tr- a trial drama about Nuremberg. But, oh, man, wow. I'll tell you what. uh don't want to go too far into this. But, yeah, if you ever want to be really upset, look up what happened after Nuremberg. Like, of the 120 guys that got tried at that trial, like, 10 or, like, 8 to 10 got sentenced to death. Like, 10 more got prison for life, and then the rest of them got, like, most of the rest got like prison for some number of years and like 10 years later like one or two had been executed the rest had been let off and then all the almost all of them had been let out of prison like the the east and west german governments both needed those dudes they were valuable you know like for science for government for running the secret police like the soviets needed someone to run the stasi obviously the nazis were super good at secret police shit and so like ultimately like almost no one paid The price for the Holocaust, like unless the Israelis got their hands on them, which they did in in a couple cases, which I'm 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 happy about, like good for them. They were hunting those dudes all the way to Argentina and shit. But yeah, it's 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 a true tragedy that like yeah we we kind of all as the world celebrated this moment of like hey like you know we put these dudes on trial, there's justice. And then like ten years later, it's like wait, didn't I see you on TV? And like yes, I'm the governor of Munich now. You're like ah fuck (laughs) like.
2: Well, dude, circling back to I guess yeah, how we got off on this, I'll just say for me, no. Like, yeah, go ahead and quote Stalin
0: more, Andy, or Lennon if you prefer, whichever one. I'm more, of a, Ma- I'm more of a Mao guy. <laughs>
2: it's so much more, there's so much more tension, and it's such a better drama to have this character, Toby, you know, just trying to come up, like, make ends meet, dude. Make 10 or 15K, save the family ranch, keep his family all right, and not die in the process as opposed to save the galaxy. Like we know how that
0: turns out for the Avengers every time, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Closing
1: thoughts. Anybody? Any any lingering thoughts? Watch this movie, man. If you haven't seen it, like I, I I'm amazed that you hadn't seen it, Sam. But I'm so glad you did because it's incredible. So this is yeah, a, this is a must watch. You know why? I did, you know why I didn't watch this movie? Honestly,
0: is to me, I th- I thought it was going to be a little bit more gritty, and this movie is tense. Don't get me wrong, but it's it lets up enough on the tension to where you're not stressed the whole time, right? Wind River yeah. is not like that. Wind River, you were stressed the whole time. In this movie, it feels a little bit more fun. You kind of have a sense that like things are going to work out in the end, which they do. And so, yeah, I would say this movie is more fun than I realized it was going to be. And maybe part of that is because I'd seen Sicario, I'd seen uh, Wind River, and I just I thought it was going to be too tense. And again, I just didn't get around to it. Um, Man, I will say... This movie had a budget of twelve million, box office of thirty eight million. That's pretty low, my guy. Like I, I I'm, I'm. I think it got dude. a limited release.
1: If I remember yeah, correctly, that this that wasn't a wide sense. release movie. That's how Wind I River mean, it, was. It
2: got nominated again for like four Academy Awards. So the critical acclaim was really strong. Um, the commercial success, I, I don't know. I didn't. Look at that. Yeah, yeah I, the, I will
0: say this price. it has like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh IMDb has it like an 8 out of 10. Uh it has a runtime of 102 minutes which again 102 minutes that's not a lot. That's a that's a, you know an hour and what 40 minutes. So uh that's some quick maths for you but yeah that's that's not a lot of time to commit. It it really is something you can easily watch in one sitting. I I do love the idea that they tell a tight concise story. With only four main characters that last one hour and 40 minutes and you're in and out. It's great. Love that. How many times do we see, do we hear about a a cool movie that's rated high and it ends up being two and a half hours and involves all these characters? It's just kind of a lesson for writers. You don't need a lot of characters in runtime. You You just need a compelling reason why people are doing stuff and then putting it together in an effective way.
1: Can we do my favorite thing? Can we read some negative reviews from Rotten Tomatoes? Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. So this has a a, uh, 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's hard to find people that didn't like this movie. But Dwight C. said, This was a lackluster movie. I bought into the high Rotten Tomatoes rating and thought it was a sure hit. It wasn't that exciting and the pace was slow. There isn't anything too deep about this movie, which was its intention. It's for dumb people. This is an action movie, but there's really not that much excitement about the plot. I missed it I, it missed the mark on this one by assuming it was good due to reviews. Dog. Okay, so first <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm sure it assumed it was good. Dude, I love dude. the idea.
0: Okay, so like the, the 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 story starts with the the graffiti that's like three tours in Iraq, but no bailout money for us, and it shows up for like five seconds, and then the whole plot is about people trying to get more money, and then you've got like waitresses and like witnesses that are all like yeah where's my tip money or you know oh but those guys are struggling and then you've got the billboards that are like trying to get out of debt and this guy after watching two hours of that it's like yeah there's no underlying
1: message <laughs> just oh, like, oh, okay what? how about that guy gave it two? It? that guy gave it two stars this is a one-star review it's classic texploitation four oscar nominations really i love jeff bridges as well as other actors in this film but the portrayals here were caricatures of texan redneck stereotypes The only character I had any empathy for was Alberto, who was mostly reacting to racial slurs from Marcus. I guess you can't blame the actors when they're given such a mediocre script to work with. Such a predictable plot. Huh. My four-year-old could have written this. (laughs) Yeah, doubt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fucking X to doubt on that one. My God. (laughs) Dude, that is... Okay, so those are audience ones. I want to find some critics. All right, uh, Mike Massey from Gone these, with these the Twins. These make me more mad, by the way. I know these, these make, make me this is significantly job, more mad
0: <laughs> because the audience, I'm just like, well, that guy's a moron. But the, but then when you get to the uh, the critics, I'm just like,
1: these people have a creative platform to shit on this. Anyway, so what is this guy for? What's his, what's his name? Just his name's Mike Massey, and he writes for something called Gone with the Twins.
2: That, sound, that sounds like a porn website. Yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> All right, the lead <laughs> the lead duo are entirely unsympathetic. While their motives are slight and unfulfilling, making their high stakes endeavors far less than suspenseful. Five of ten. K (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, they're very unsympathetic. They're like watch their mother die in front of them and their lands being stolen from them by a greedy bank. Yeah. Fuck those guys, right? Like what do you work at a bank? This guy works at a bank, I bet. Like
2: Hey, I did. That just reminded me of that line in the movie. I don't know if we covered this one where they he's interviewing the guys at the restaurant, those three dudes who are kind of cutting up and they're laughing because the waitress is, you know, giving him a hard time. Won't give him the money. He's like, yeah. They're like, man, yeah, we watched him robbing that bank that's been robbing me for 30 years. Yeah.
1: Oh, here's a great one. A.S. Hamra, who writes for something called N plus One, which again, who knows, right up to its unsatisfying to be continued ending. This film's lugubrious quality... Okay, pal. You look that what, shit What up. kind of SAT word is that? Yeah. That
2: was right-click synonyms, bro, all day. I don't know no where they joke, started bro. with that word, but like that word has never been used.
1: Okay, th- this film's lugubrious quality marks it as an example of crybaby grievance cinema, art directed for a new era of violent self-pity, economic decline, and racial appropriation. Bro, there is none of that in this movie. There is literally none of that in this movie. Whoa,
2: what? Like, what do you?
1: Does this guy have
2: no sympathy for poor people? Is that the <laughs> review that from, like Forbes or something? Like, Yacht
1: Monthly was like, "This movie sucked ass." <laughs> like, okay, Eric Oritz from uh, Butaka Ancha wrote, "In the real world, the notion of carrying out an ambitious criminal plan heroically does not exist, nor does it completely defeat the system. In this mediocre outing." Both are true. All right, pal. Uh, okay.
2: Hey, that's a creepy thing to write in your first two sentences. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what, what he just wrote, but like, flag that guy. Yeah. Oh, how about
1: this? How about Rob from uh, Rob's Film Reviews.com? Cla- I mean, huge, huge publication there. Very reputable. Uh, Hell or High Water is so busy taking inspiration from earlier movies that it forgets we've seen them before. <laughs> Got okay. him, dude. Got him. I've seen other movies, so this one sucks. The only saving graces are the admittedly excellent cinematography and the production values. The action scenes are crisp, smooth, and packed with tension, but they feel almost irrelevant when the content they have to work with is this bad. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. I don't understand how you could even get there. Like, if you don't like this one movie, of the worst movies I've ever seen, yeah. Like, how have you have you seen three movies? They obviously had <laughs> seen
2: Sicario too. I was gonna say, have you seen three
1: <laughs> movies, dog? Like. It is it is unreal to me that some people walk away. in the sand, dude, dead ass. Like,
2: hey, you guys have to make one promise to me: is when we do eventually review Sicario Two, we need to go read all the good reviews. Oh yeah,
1: fuck yeah, from
2: like the audience. (laughs) I'm sure we'll see Dwight and Rob and like all these same people on the positive reviews.
1: Dude, I'm sure. I'm sure one of these guys
0: thought that that Sicario Two was the best.
1: Oh, definitely. The action is as schematic and artificial as a chess game, and the characters have as much identity as its pieces. Captain, <laughs> okay, oh yeah, dude, you, you fucking got it, dude, nailed it, bro. It's frustrating that Heller High Water contains so many good things that just don't coalesce into a fully satisfying movie-going experience. Roger Ebert, you piece of shit, two point five out of four. What you asshole? I
2: don't, I don't put
1: much stock. In no, that man, ball. like maybe nah, not in a day. Either. You know what? He I'm part. gonna say this. I'm a Cisco guy. He's lost his, I'm a Cisco yeah, guy, edge, dude. Bro. As soon as Cisco yeah, left, was. as soon always as Cisco left, dog, it went downhill, brother. Yeah. Those honestly, though, out of the 280 reviews I read, you every single negative one. There are like six out of the 280 reviews of yeah. this movie.
2: Yeah. I mean, overall, great movie. I would say that this is a modern western classic. It's a quintessential neo western and maybe a quintessential Texas
0: movie. So yeah. If you haven't seen Hell or High Water. Check it out. It's on Netflix right now. It should be a
1: requirement for moving to Texas, right? All these people that are moving to Texas, you need to watch this movie. Absolutely. Let's do it. Saw on Netflix. It was a well-made story about Texas poverty and law enforcement. I left it empty. 1.5 stars out of 5. (laughs)
0: Good lord, God. one point five—that is, that's axum territory. Like, that no is... kidding,
1: dude. Also, like, you wrote twelve words and an eleven of them were positive. You were like, "This is really good. It has a really deep message, really tight." And then your la- all the all you wrote negative was that I left empty. It's like that sounds like a personal problem, dude. It's like this movie was incredible. The <laughs> casting was great. I love everything about it. My wife doesn't love me. One star out of five. <laughs> 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 Alright, guys. Okay, like. I don't know what to tell you. All caps. Boring. Only went because my date wanted to see it. The she was hot. Did not like it at all. One star out of five. <laughs> <laughs> doubt. Awesome. Doubt. Big doubt. Yeah. Like, she's a girl. This movie sucks. She was a hot girl. The- she's definitely a girl. <laughs> she
0: goes to from like high school. A You've here. never heard of her. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, golly, this movie sucked. I got movie laid sucked, by-
2: but I left in my Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I felt empty. <laughs> this movie
0: had no. This movie had no subtext. My wife is leaving me. I got late. <laughs> she was really hot. Five out of five. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Oh, well, sorry. anyways, thank you guys so much for joining. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Give us a rating. Tell your friends, because we greatly appreciate that. As always, this is Novel Discourse. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. I'm Webb. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.
2: Adios.